you guys. Um, I feel like I haven't seen you for ages. Sue and I were just discussing. I think it's about a year or so ago that we had the retreat with you guys up there in Llanboniv. And uh, it seems just like yesterday in so many ways. And uh, I don't know how many of you went or those of you who did go remember what we were talking about. But we were talking about friendship with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I gave you a particular verse amongst many during that, that weekend. Don't worry if you can't remember it. But the one that I just want to uh, sort of remind you of is this. It's 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. And it says, the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. It talks about this incredible sense of fellowship that we have at the spirit level, which is not always easy to understand. But the truth of the matter is, is that elsewhere, Paul talks about our body being like a temple of the Holy Spirit, a place where God himself dwells. And it's from that, I guess, launch pad that I want to share with you a couple of things today. Thank you, Gareth, by the way, for giving me the opportunity to take the pulpit. Um, I don't take that for granted, and I'm very grateful that people would sit and listen to what I have to say. I'm very, very uh, honoured by that, so thank you. I've got my notes here. I'm going to do my best to keep to 20 minutes. But we are living in a world full of challenge because of this pandemic. I don't really want to go on too much about it. I want instead for us to be able to think about what we might be able uh, to orient ourselves towards in the in the light of the situation that we are facing and maybe use a biblical example or two to help us get some ideas about what we could do we are living in a world where even with light potential light at the end of the tunnel with a vaccine this year it is still a world that has been changed and there is talk i hear on the news about going back to normal and uh, you know maybe in the spring and who knows maybe that will happen i'm i just don't know but I would be amazed if the consequences of the environment of the last year or so don't have some ongoing effect into our lives. And that, of course, includes us as members of God's kingdom. And I want to suggest that even in the midst of the time of trial that we're facing, this, this season of, of pestilence or famine or virus or whatever uh, language you want to use, I believe that God is not idle. He is not sitting there with his hand on his head, running around, not knowing what to do. He has a plan and a purpose that permeates into each and every person that calls Jesus their Lord and beyond, of course, so that his kingdom moves forward. We are not stuck. We are not on pause. We are not in a place of hesitation or hiatus. No, God's kingdom is moving forward. And I want to suggest to you some ways that as individuals, we can gather together and keep that process moving in our own lives. So that whatever plan God has for this amazing planet Earth that he's created, we are not caught napping when the moment of opportunity arises. Genesis 41 is a very interesting passage. It's right in the middle of the stories about Joseph. And the bit that I want to emphasize is the moment when Joseph is plucked from complete obscurity into a place where he quite literally saves a nation from annihilation. We know the story well. It's the story of the, the seven cows um, that are fat and the seven cows that are lean. Now, Israel's son, Joseph's son, uh, sorry, um, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph. So Isaac's son, Joseph, Israel, Isaac, his son, 
was used to save this nation. A man from outside the culture of Egypt, for that's the nation I'm talking about. You remember he was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was raised up and was able to save a nation. Do you remember the story when Joseph had been falsely accused? After having been sold by his brother, he managed to find his way and became the servant of Potiphar and was unjustly accused um, of a terrible crime and was thrown into prison. And whilst in prison, again, he just became a great help to the jailer. He rose up in the ranks of respect amongst the other prisoners. And we have that amazing story where he talks to the cupbearer and to the baker and interprets their dreams. Now, the cupbearer is restored back to Pharaoh's presence, but forgets Joseph. But in the in the in a moment, and I think it's some years later, I believe it's at least two years later, the cupbearer is reminded of his shortcomings. And when Pharaoh is saying, I have a dream, nobody can understand it. The cupbearer says, hey, there's a man who can do it. And Joseph is brought from the, the darkness, the prison, the place of where he is restricted, where he can't operate, where he can't be himself, where his promise um, of the life that he'd been given in his earlier dreams when he was back uh, with his father's family are just seemingly just memories. But yet, in an instant, Joseph is restored to the presence of the Pharaoh. And we know what happens. He interprets it. And he saves Israel. Uh, he saves Egypt and ultimately Israel, or the future Israel, from famine, from destruction. Now, this, this Pharaoh makes an interesting comment during the course of the journey of understanding what God is speaking to him about in his dream and he makes this comment in verse 38 listen to this very carefully so this is pharaoh talking about joseph and the experience that he's just had in having his dreams interpreted he says in verse 38 so pharaoh asked his officials can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of god so let that sink in for a minute can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Wow, wouldn't we love to have someone say that over us? Now imagine the context. Joseph in the, in the prison, forgotten, sold into slavery and justly accused, lives in this place where there is no human mechanism for him to exert influence. None whatsoever. But somehow God grooms this perhaps brash young man when he announces to his father and mother that they would one day bow down to him, you can see how how they were a bit like you. You 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 think our father? You think me and your mother will bow down to you? His brothers were so incensed they sold him into slavery. They originally, they were going to murder him. So you know maybe he didn't have the best discernment. But as the years went by, God said, "Now this is the moment for him to be raised up and save a nation from annihilation." Of course, later on. The, uh, the family of, of Joseph uh, would all move down. His mother and father would come, his brothers and all the rest of them. They settle in the land of Goshen. And I want you to use this story just to provoke us in two quick areas. The first is our personal walk with the Lord. And the second then is our corporate walk as believers in this land. Consider our personal walk first of all. Are we ensuring that our personal journey is one of victory and breakthrough? Despite the circumstances that we're living in, consider the, the life of Joseph. Despite the circumstances he was living in, his one was still a journey of victorious breakthrough. He was able to live 
in the same way he would live in the public view whilst in the in the private in the hidden view we might suggest that living well living authentically is what i'm talking about here and i want to unpack what that means living well because as i've considered this over the months that's the phrase the lord has brought to me again and again mark are you living well what do i mean by that do i mean I don't mean richly or ostentatiously. What do I mean by living well? And I want to suggest that living well would be something that would be worth considering each and every one of you for yourself and for your household. I think it actually means a hundred different little things that are specific to each one of us as we go. For example, I'm referred to my notes here to make sure. I want to ask the questions, how are we maintaining ourselves in body mind and soul how how are we nurturing and feeding these three key areas of who we are body mind and soul how are we doing that what are we what are we allowing into each of those territories within our existence and of course jesus says whatever you reap will be based on what you sow so i guess uh, to use biblical language what are we sowing into our body, into our mind, into our soul. What are we sowing into those things? Are we, are we healthy across those boards? Consider these, I'm going to give you sort of five quick headings. Rewatch the video if this gets a bit fast or a bit dense. Garrett's only giving me 20 minutes after all. Cheers, pal. But consider these, these five headings. Mental, spiritual, social, emotional, and what's the other one? Spiritual, mental, social, emotional, and physical, of course, the body one, physical. So spiritual, mental, social, emotional, physical. Consider these things. Think of them like little petrol tanks. That might be a way to do it. And where are the needles on these things? So take your spiritual one, for example. Where's the needle? Is it close to empty? Is it nice and full? Is it hovering somewhere around the halfway mark? Which way is it traveling? Is it, is it going up or is it going down? Think about it. Consider each one of these carefully. And one of the ways that you can do that objectively is to, is to consider what is going in to each of those things. So, I don't know, take entertainment. Lots of us are enjoying the ability to be able to uh, take advantage of cheap entertainment that's coming at us through the airwaves. What are we watching? What sort of entertainment is going into our system? Is it... Is it entertainment that will produce the harvest of righteousness or instead will it produce a harvest of unrighteousness? How are we doing in the area of the physical realm? Remember, I'm talking about the little things. How are we living well in each of these little areas? What are we doing? For, are we, have we become lazy? Have we become overeaters? Have we become, I don't know, People who are, and I'm thinking of some of the other headings now, are we reverting to, to gossip because we've got nothing else to do? How are we doing in our working lives? Are we carrying the appropriate level of work or are we, are we shirking? Are we a prickly person because we're feeling frustrated because we can't live the way that we've been used to live? And so when people approach us, are we prickly? Consider these headings, the social, emotional, physical, mental and spiritual. Consider the headings and see where... You're doing well and where you need to work hard. Because just like Joseph was trapped in the prison, 
It could be, he could be forgiven for thinking, I am forgotten, I'm out of sight, I will become a bitter person. I don't deserve this. I am not worthy of the experience that I'm having. But yet, of course, it says he rose to um, a position of authority. The jailers themselves trusted this man. How is that, how is that possible? I believe it's because Joseph lived well. He made sure that in every single area of his life, he was authentic. If you were to cut him like the proverbial stick of rock, you would have authentic God-fearing all the way through it. He knew how to live well in the minutiae of daily life. And I want to suggest that that is one of the reasons that God elevated him back to authority. Now, remember, remember the, the, the reasons that God gave this anointing to Joseph to be able to understand dreams it wasn't to make him feel better, though I believe God does bless us for that simple act of love. He loves to make us feel connected and he loves that. But it was so that the years of preparation during the years of blessing could be stored up for when the years of trial would come afterwards. So they had seven fat years ready for the seven thin years. And we are the same. We have had years of blessing in Wrexham. Think about this. Many of us have not had to travel further than the front door of our own church to hear amazing internationally renowned speakers come through the doors of the churches of Wrexham. We've seen a, a, a plethora of fruitful Christian ministries find their place of launch and, and absolutely fruitful ministry within the, the borders of our town. Think about street pastors. Incredible ministry. Think about the food bank. Incredible ministry. Think about IPAC, poised to really make a profound difference and already reaping a wonderful reward in the lives of those people who has been blessed. I could go on and on. We have been blessed. And now the time of trial is upon us. We, the church, need to share that blessing. Abraham himself was told, you will be blessed. Why? Just to make you feel better? Not necessarily. You will be blessed so that you will be a blessing. And through you, all nations on earth will be blessed. The message is the same. We in Wrexham have had our storehouses jam-packed full. And now it's time to give some of that back. And some of us are doing that already. Now, what would it be like for us to be able to be raised in a moment, just like Joseph was, to a position of influence and maybe even authority? If it can happen in a moment for Joseph, trust me, God can make it happen for any one of us here. And we need to be sure that the authenticity of our lives demonstrates the confidence that we have in God to be able to be used by him in whichever way he chooses. And this leads me to the second part. The, the, if I've talked about our private walk, this is our corporate, the corporate side of that. Each of us individually coming together makes the corporate face of the kingdom. And I want to ask the question, how do we combine that together to make a clear and coherent representation of the body of Jesus to anyone who cares to look? See, the world is a proud place. It is full of knowledge and, I might say, full of capability as well. It's well-trained, well-educated. Our own leaders and many across the world have systematically, though, eschewed the fact 
that the fear of God leads to wisdom. And instead, they've exchanged the fear of God for the pride of man. They might not do it with their voices saying that, but let's be honest. There is very little fear of God at the higher echelons of business, corporate, governmental leadership. Instead, it's pride in their own ability, expressed in, in language that softens it, but that is the reality. We are living in a time of international crisis. Praise God that we might see a vaccine, even within the course of the next few months. However, this virus is still going to be with us. It's not going to disappear. We are going to live with it and live in the shadow of it for some time to come. And who knows what the next issue of international crisis might be. You see, if, if the Bible warns us that the proud are opposed by God, there is only one outcome to that argument. If I am a proud person and I oppose God and God opposes me, there's only one, one, one side that's going to win. And uh, clue, it's not going to be me. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And if we are like Joseph, who are accepting the humility that comes upon us by being a member of his kingdom, a follower of his son, an indwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Humility is not treating ourselves lowly, in a lowly fashion, it's not. Humility means knowing exactly who you are and moving to that place where you think of yourself not more highly or more lowly than you thought. It's important. Humility is knowing exactly who you are. And going into that place with the quiet but nevertheless unshakable confidence that God will give you something to say. See, when Joseph stood before Pharaoh and interpreted the dream, Pharaoh had an important decision to make. He'd listened to the interpretation of the dream. He'd witnessed to his officials that this was, this was true. It was coming from the Spirit of God. And he now had to make a decision. Do we follow this advice or do we not? He was a very proud man. But yet he humbled himself and said, I do not believe there is anybody else so obviously filled with the Spirit of God. And he handed across the reins of leadership to this, the previous day prisoner. And ultimately, of course, there would be no one higher in the land, save Pharaoh himself. He became the greatest authority in the land and he saved a nation from annihilation. Because remember, of course, after the fat years, jumping ahead in the story, the people began to be in need and they came banging on Pharaoh's door saying, what do we do? What do we do? We are dying. What do we do? And Pharaoh says, this man, Joseph, listen to him. And Joseph says, come, I will open the storehouses. We will get through this together. That is a response that I believe the church should be able to have in these coming months and years. We should be able to stand up and answer some of life's most intractable problems. Why? Because the spirit of God lives in each of us and because each of us has chosen to live and live well in the way that I've described. So that when we then come together and the big questions are asked about education, or about um, business, or about um, celebration and entertainment. The Christians, the people who love Jesus, have a coherent and clear voice that carries the ring of authority. How do we get to that place? I believe by living well. I've been challenged about, I finish here, next minute or so. I've been challenged about this. I mean, I'm a missionary, <laughs> supposedly. But sometimes it's really hard to be able to be open to the new ways that God wants to do work through me. And I, on the side, I fix computers. 
and um, I've got a business locally. It's a very professional environment. There's lots of uh, desks and, and businesses and going on and there's two or three operating from the same office and so on. And I go in there and fix the computers and suddenly, a couple of about, what, six, eight weeks ago, a man comes up to me and he just asked me this question about his, his wife who is suffering from, a, uh, from ME. And I feel the Lord say, don't hold back. Share right from your missionary Christian heart what's going on. Because in an instant, I'd felt that, that revelation, just like G uh, Joseph had had about the dreams. I knew what the issue was. And it was, a, it was a spiritual answer. And I began to share and he began to listen. And uh, he'd acknowledged that he wasn't a, a God follower or anything like that. But he listened and I could hear in the spirit all the others in the office earwigging in and listening. And I just was like, Lord, I just have to take my courage in both hands. And the fear of man began to be overcome. And instead, the fear of God. And I shared. And I had no idea why I was sharing. And I told the story um, of what I understood. And he listened. And I went away. And I thought, has that had any impact? Has that had any effect? I just don't know. No one said anything. After I'd finished, we just sort of went back to the normal life of the office. A month later, he gets back in touch friends me on Facebook, gets back in touch and says, I need to talk to you a little bit more about what you were sharing. And we had a follow-up conversation and I gave a little bit more opportunity. He said, Sue and I love to pray for people with this particular disease if we get an opportunity to do so. So if you want to, get in touch. And then someone else from the office phoned me up and said, Mark, I don't want to talk to you about computers. This is what they said. I'm not, lo not lying to you. They said, we want, I want some spiritual guidance. I was like, what? They told me the issue waited for the spirit of the lord to speak i shared what i thought and then i prayed with her on the phone the whole thing took about 12 14 minutes and i felt the lord say mark these is some of the the fruit that can come from when you choose to live well in the small ways and get summoned then into a position of influence in the lives of the people who i'd known for some years and i never really had the opportunity to have these conversations so bless you christ church Make wise and good decisions in the minutiae of your life, because who knows in what ways you may be summoned to be able to give an account for the hope that you have. Whether it's like me, with a few friends and people that I've known here and there, or whether it's maybe for you, where you might get influence in people who make decisions in councils and governments and, and schools and so on. I bless you and I ask you, friends, to stay encouraged in the midst of this time. Lovely to be with you. Hope to see you face to face before too long. Every blessing and love from the Venning family. Bye for now.